KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Yesterday, a gunman went into an elementary school in Texas and started shooting. He killed 21 people. 19 of them were children. The kids were in a fourth grade classroom. 19 children have lost their lives. Two faculty members lost their lives. There are 17 people who are injured, but their injuries are not life-threatening. To say the least, Uvalde has been shaken to its core. I just don't understand how people could sell that type of a gun to a kid, to an 18-year-old. Like, what is he going to use it for? Why are we letting this happen in this country? Why is this happening in this state? Year after year, city after city, this is on all of us if we do not do something. Go hug your babies before you send them to school and look at them and, and look at what the future's like because there's 19 parents here in Uvalde that aren't going to get to hug their babies anymore. I think people need to really start thinking about this. Some of those parents had to give DNA samples to identify the children that were killed. I got to find her. After the shooting, they don't know where she's at. I'm Brian Seltzer. Everyone across the country, I think you could even say around the world, is mortified. Again. And as a dad, I've got two kids, boy-girl twins. They're both four years old. Certainly you feel horrified when something like this happens. But for me, there's also this sense of emptiness, which is scary, hopelessness, which might even be scarier. And I just feel like in speaking with my wife, friends, following the conversation, whether it's online or elsewhere, I know I can't be alone in feeling this way. We heard from some people today, Frederick Price has a daughter in sixth grade at Fitzpatrick Elementary in Northeast Philly. Sadness. Uh, a great deal of sadness for the loss of the, uh, the parents. And I would never want to be in that position or want anyone to be in that position. And it just makes you question uh, some of the, um, the values we have in this country as far as, uh, uh, as it pertains to gun control and stipulations on uh, who can get guns, uh, when they can get guns, and, and also the security of our kids. And so at the end of the day, it all comes down to them and a quality of life um, that they should have. Uh, and everyone in this country should have. Uh, but as, as I understand protecting Second Amendment and all that good stuff, but where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? Matt Siwinski has an 11-year-old son at Our Lady of Calvary School that's also in the Northeast. It's devastating. Um, you first, you think of the kids, you think of the parents, and, uh, yeah, you, you obviously concerned for the safety of the kids at your own school. How do you talk to an 11-year-old? How do you talk to them about something like that? You, you tell him to be prepared. Um, listen to his teachers. Don't uh, don't don't do anything stupid if anything like that happens. Yeah, don't try to be a hero. Listen to the teachers and try to stay safe. My wife and I are like Ashley. We didn't talk to our kids about it. Ashley's son is a six-year-old at Fitzpatrick. She said it would have been too scary for him. So when that ha- something like that happens, there's six. How do you talk to them about that? Do you talk to them about it? Um, I actually didn't mention that to him because I didn't want him to worry about that coming to school. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, we talk about strangers and stuff a lot because I think that's something you can handle a little better. But a shooting, I think that would scare the crap out of them. <laughs> and for you, I mean, what, gosh, what goes through your mind? It's happening more and more every day. It scares me to death. I want to keep them home, but I can't. So, you know, we just do the best we can. Frederick Price, the first parent we heard from, he said something else that stood out too. Is there a fear today? More so than you Oh, just- actually, you know what? Um, to be honest, I was I was just looking at this school to see if there was any extra security or anything like that, and I don't see anything. And so <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, well, uh, I guess in a city like Philadelphia, I guess they, um, uh, and then, you know, this being even the Northeast, even that, it's kind of like, well, there's no great concern because it's something that happens every day, regardless. You know, gun violence happens every day, so it could happen anywhere. And so it's like, it's, it's kind of unfortunately becoming like the norm to an extent. I haven't been a parent for long, only four years, but the last couple of years, ever since our twins became toddlers and started to grow a little bit more and get thoughts and ideas of their own, my wife and I have found that parenting, to a certain degree, is about managing these series of mini battles. Five minutes before leaving, walking out the door, going to school, I don't want to have curly hair today. I want you to straighten my hair. I'm not going unless you straighten my hair. It's 95 degrees out. Super hot. No, I'm wearing sweatpants and a long sleeve shirt plus a hoodie. I don't want shorts or a t-shirt. And you go through these battles and they can drive you insane, frustrate you to no end. You're yelling at your kids. Your kids are yelling back at you. You pile in the car. You drive off to school. You say goodbye. And then when something like Rob Elementary happens, you sit there and you think, what if this was it? What if that was it? What if that was the last moment I had with my child? And it immediately puts things in perspective, and it makes you realize that those mini battles are really what it's all about, and just the void that would be created if you didn't have that in your life anymore. It's unthinkable, really. As a parent, the same question just keeps reverberating over and over and over and over and over again. Why does this keep happening? What are we going to do about it? Can we do anything about it? And it feels like we've been asking this since 1999. I was a teenager, April 20th, 1999. That was Columbine. And then there was Sandy Hook and the hundreds and hundreds of school shootings that have happened in America over the last decade. The Center for Homeland Defense and Security says the U.S. has had more than 2,000 school shootings since 1970. 2,000. Education Week reports there have been already 27 school shootings this year. It's not even June. There have been 119 school shootings total since 2018. And if you really want to do something morbid, look at the Wikipedia page, list of school shootings in the United States. It is horrifically long and depressing. So obviously, if we have the answer to that question, why does this keep happening? We haven't done anything about it. And if history is any example, we probably won't. We asked Matt Leon to call Dr. Colleen Lelly and get her take on all this. Dr. Lelly is a teacher, an education professor, and the director of the Barbara and John Jordan Center for Children of Trauma and Domestic Violence Education at Cabrini University. What does it say about a society that 
things like this happen. Like I say, they're rare, but they happen way too often with tragic results. And we do nothing like we really we don't, you know, everyone gets sad and we offer thoughts and prayers, but we don't do anything. And I'm looking here at at some stats, you know, so we had Columbine in 1995. We had Red Lake High in 2005, Virginia Tech, 2007, Sandy Hook, 2012. Uh, We had the Community College in Oregon, 2015, Santa Fe High in Texas in 2018, Stoneman High in 2018. And then here we are, Robb Elementary in 2022. And so, you know, to me, you know, this is 25 years of just constant, you know, in other countries, they have one and they figure it out and they don't have any after that. I mean, literally none. Um, you know, and, and to your point, something else I saw, it's like this whole idea of we have a mass shooting, it's cyclical, thoughts and prayers, Facebook debates, everyone forgets, then Congress does nothing, and then crickets are chirping, and then the mass shooting again. It's like it's just this vicious cycle. And um, you know, when's it going to end? You know, when are we going to get better and figure it out? If you're talking to parents who, you know, are crying, put it to putting their kids on the bus today. You know, I it's all anecdotal, but you, I've seen lots of stories of people on Twitter just talking about looking at their kids eating breakfast. And you have this ghoulish thoughts of well, what if this is could this be the last time? I mean, it's awful, but it's also human. You know, what what do you say to them? So I know I keep saying we have to do better. So I urge everyone that's hearing this do better, whatever that looks like in your little piece of the world whether it's to just reach out to the teachers today and thank them, whether it's to ask the school system, you know, what, what can I do as a parent to help? Is there anything I can do? Whether it's reaching out, if you, you know, would like to be involved more in politics and talk to your local congressperson, whatever that looks like to you. Uh, Maybe it's getting involved in organizations. Maybe it's just posting on social media, right? Whatever that looks like to you, let's do better. Let's do it. Let's make that change and let's just do better. So it's a call to action to anyone who's listening. Call for action to everyone. Let's let's make things happen. The last question we're asking today, and it seems simple on its face, why does this keep happening here in the United States of America? If you've lived in America for more than a week, you know this issue isn't simple. It's intensely emotional. It's deeply political. So we asked a political scientist. Why does this keep happening here? This is Dr. Susan Lee Bell at St. Joseph's University talking with Matt Leon. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry to be here again, Matt. I love the show, but I, I hate the reason, and I know you do as well. Um, you know, I think gun rights supporters sometimes talk about the mental illness of the particular shooter uh, or the the particular reasons for that one person's actions, and sometimes we 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 tend to focus there. We like the personal, but I think the way to understand this is to pull the lens back. And I think one of the main reasons that there are more mass shootings in the United States as opposed to other countries that are like us is access to guns. We have more guns than people in the United States. And then that's a statistic that gets thrown around a lot. But when you, when you think about it, when you think about the idea that there's more guns than people, you can realize how easy it is for a troubled 18-year-old man to get his hands on a gun 
and to use them in an impetuous way. And I think many of us have been 18 and we remember the level of impetuousness that we have. If you hand somebody a gun, they will act more violently uh, on some of those emotions if if it's available to them. Um, I, I am not a psychologist or a sociologist, but the psychologists and sociologists who collect data on this show there are more guns available for suicide, which is the number one gun death in the United States is, is self-harm and violence against others. And we just have guns available in a way that, that other countries don't. Second thing I would say is that in the United States, since the early 2000s, not since the beginning of the country, but certainly since the early 2000s, we have a language about guns that centers on freedom. We talk about guns as a special right. You will hear gun rights people say that if we lose any right, any access to guns, we will lose all of our rights. Now, that's not the case. All rights that are uh, mentioned in the Constitution and those are not are regulated and regulating guns is an older tradition in the United States than individual rights. That's not actually in the Constitution but I think that this association in the United States of freedom with guns, of rights with guns, is something that we don't see in countries like France or Germany or even Australia, a country that had a very similar gun culture to the United States, but after a mass shooting, decided to do something about it. And with an enormous amount of political will, they changed their gun laws. Um, so there's something about the United States's narrative, the idea of the Minutemen, and, and you can see that in the way that many of these militia groups name themselves. They, they hope to associate what they're doing with the American Revolution, and they hope to associate guns with a certain kind of protest against tyranny. The interviews with Dr. Lelly and Dr. Lee Bell will both end up on the KYW News Radio in depth podcast feed. Go check them out. It's really powerful stuff. Tomorrow, we're going to do some more heavy lifting and talk with Reverend Charles Howard. He's the chaplain at the University of Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about the shooting and about what happened two years ago as we mark the two year anniversary since the murder of George Floyd. Floyd was killed two years ago today on May 25th, 2020. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. Take care of yourselves.